755 is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty. It is on the air now. Hey, welcome back to 755 is real. I'm David O'Brien, Braves writer for The Athletic. I'm with my co-host, Eric O'Flaherty, former Braves reliever. What's up, Eric? How you doing? What up? I'm good. How are you? All right. Celtics rocking last night, man. Got the dubs in a got the dubs in a corner now. Um, off the top of the show, if you're watching us on YouTube, make sure to check out our sponsors in the description. Let's read that disclaimer, if that's what it's called. Um, man, you talk about alternative events. I, I don't know I, when I recall a Braves team having such an emotional swing as they had the first two games in Arizona. And the two games since then, the series finale in Arizona and the first game in, Co- in Coors Field, because they went from absolute nadir of the season, at least so far, to looking in the last two days like a team that really could make a, a serious playoff run again. I mean, they flipped the switch. They had a team meeting before that series finale in Arizona. I don't know if that had any effect at all, but if anything, it might have served to remind them, hey, we've got to stop shooting ourselves in the foot because that's what they did in Arizona those first two games. Just mistake after mistake on the field, on the bases, uh, meltdowns on the bullpen, uh, just everything. Not getting big hits. They, just, they should have swept Arizona. Yeah, they could have for sure. Yeah, I mean the the first two games they gave up five runs that you know were earned but shouldn't have been. Oh my god! E- easily could have been one run in that game, and then the second Strider game. Start wow! Strider start. Yeah. That's just those are the type of games that you're gonna have during the year, but those are the games that add up at the end. You look back and you're like, "Fuck, look at those five that yeah, you know." And you, I feel like really good teams find a way to win those games, and mm-hmm. they they just haven't clicked yet this year. But it was nice to see. What's nice to see is the offense start putting up some big numbers and take some of that pressure off. Where throw all the way up thirteen seven, it's like, yeah, you know, it, it might lead to something, but usually it doesn't. It's nice to have some padding because they played a lot of close games. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, they've clicked for two games. That that didn't constitute clicking. But if they were to keep doing what they've done the last two games yeah. for another week, you could say, yeah. hey, they're clicking. Because, yeah. I mean, so many guys are hitting now. Austin Riley's raking again after that two-and-a-half-week skid of his. Olsen had the best game of his Braves career the other day in Arizona. Huge game. And then they, that was the meltdown game where they lost. Yeah. He had four hits, four RBIs, uh, a couple of doubles, a home run, nine total bases. And that came one day after he had the missed catch again, that the inexplicable missed catch yeah. on that double play. So um, it's just been four games of just wild emotions. But uh, to see some of the guys hitting again, I think, is the big key. Dansby's playing really good baseball. Uh, that, that there's been a lot. Of, there's been a lot of reasons these last two days to have some faith again in them after those first two games in Arizona, where you're just like, this might just not be their year at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, you can't, and you know we've been saying it's early, it's early, but it's it's not with the way the Mets are playing. It's go yeah. time now. It's you not know, it's, now. We're one third of the way anymore. in. We're one third yeah. of the way through the season, and the Mets are showing absolutely no sign of slowing down. You know, I and mean, you know but, they're getting better as long as one of those two aces comes back, and as long as that owner's got the money that he's willing to spend at the trade deadline, which he is and does. Yeah, and I, I don't think. I mean, I haven't heard any players say it, but I don't think anybody on this team has the mindset of we'll get it going at some point. You know, I'm pretty right. sure they're looking at that Mets team and they know yeah, this is a different vibe and a different team this year than than in past years. You know, because in past years, it felt like somebody was just 
randomly in first place or by default in first right. place. Like everybody else was playing their way Place out holder. of it. But yeah, like yeah. There's so many years, and you know, when I was with the Braves, where the Marlins were in first place in middle of May. Right. It was just, well, everybody else is playing like ass. But this year, the Mets are earning it, and they're taking first place. So the Braves got to know, and I'm sure they do, that it's it's time to get going, and and you got to start chipping away. Yeah, and several of them have said that, but I think maybe the team meeting served to uh, remind everyone together, looking at each other in the room, you know, that hey. It's time. We got to stop yeah. doing stupid things like we did in that game last night where they blew the lead. You know, like Ozuna going from first to third when he had absolutely no reason to getting thrown out there. That ended up being a big out. Yep. Um, Acuna trying to stretch a double into a triple. You applaud the you applaud his hustle and aggressiveness, but at the same time, Risk that was not a wise decision considering all the factors, including his health. Mm-hmm. You got, and I think the trainers have since subsequently told him, "Dude, you gotta, you gotta ease back when there's a ch- when you, you when it's not a reason to stretch that into a triple, or when you're not trying to beat out a crucial hit or something. You gotta rein it in a little bit. Plus the fact, I mean, you can't sugarcoat this. We've talked about we love watching Acuna. He's the most exciting player when he's when he's going good. He's the most exciting player in baseball. But but if you're going to bat flip." Do it on a home run. Don't do it on a double and then get thrown out trying to stretch it into a triple. If you're going to do it on the double, then stop at second base, for God's sakes, <laughs> because that does not yeah. look good, man. You can't no, flip the bat, get thrown out of third, and then have everybody whining or bitching on on Twitter when they, when a pitcher throws at you. Yeah. Well, and even then, you know, the, the thing I've seen him do that's, that's made me a little nervous is after a pitcher throws at him or when I can tell he's amped up some of those swings he takes, you know, yeah. I mean, he, he, he's got to know that he's got so much power that if he just takes yeah. a calm swing, it's still yeah. getting out of the park. But like, I mean, he's a young, he's a young guy. I think he's been in the league long enough now to start, you know, learning those lessons and, and applying them. But I mean, you never want to take his aggression away because. And we're not, it, and nobody's going to. You yeah. Know. Yeah, I don't. I don't fear that. That's a good thing. I think he's got so much confidence in his ability and knows yeah. how good he is and has so much fun dominating people that there's never really. A, I don't think he's not one of those guys you have to worry about crushing his spirit or taking away his no. aggressiveness. He's no. too. He's too confident in himself to to allow someone to do that. So that's a good thing. I think that's a good thing that he's like that because there comes a point where. And somebody on his team will, if they haven't already, you know, is going to tell him, you know, and they've tried to before. They've tried to multiple times in past years. And and again, I'm not bitching about the best guy on the team. I'm no. talking about I love watching Acuna play. And I love everything he brings to the game. I'm just saying there is that fine line, and we see it watching the game, that you just don't have to go over and you can still be the same terrific player with all the swag and everything without doing just the the tiny little things that you, that push it over the top, like bat flipping and getting thrown out at third, then getting hit and having it and making everybody, every, it's almost like everybody is not. And I understand being a fan of somebody a bit, because I'm a fan of some players too, especially of my alma mater, but you can't be blinded by that and not see that there are circumstances and there are, um, Results, as they say, elections have consequences. So do actions. And, and and man, 
I don't, I hate some of the unwritten rules of the game. They're old yeah. and antiquated, but like Chipper Jones told me a couple of years ago, uh, three years ago, maybe about Acuna when he was getting thrown at a lot and Chipper loves the guy too. Chipper said baseball is going to take care of, is going to run yeah. its stuff, whether they put rules in to stop this, whether people bitch and moan, there is still going to be ga- a game played by a lot of hard men who are going to get upset when you should, when they feel like you're showing them up. And it doesn't matter what the rules of the game are or how much the umpire warns people. As you know, there are going to be pitchers who take this upon themselves or talk to each other and are going to get they are going to let the batter know that that wasn't that they did not appreciate that. Yeah, and that was the first time this year that he's been hit that I felt like it was obviously intentional. Me too. And you know, I mean, my stance has been watching it. It's a tough situation because that's that is the number one place you want to get him out is up and in. Right. Because he's he's covers the outer half. Like even that that pitchy hit was on the black. Yeah, he's on the plate and he can he, cover everything. And he gets hit kind of because he dives. That's why he winds up leaning into those and getting hit. And my thing is, you know, I think the Braves as a team need to kind of, especially on the ones that on that one, if, if you hit him intentionally, I feel like you they still got to hit somebody back. But even on the ones where he gets hit on accident, yeah, you have to send a message of, we understand you're trying to pitch him in, but if your pitcher can't control it inside, right, that's our best guy, and we need him, right, and they need to start hitting some guys back. You know, that's lit a fire under the Mets' ass uh, when their guys are getting hit and they're hitting people right yeah. back the next inning or so, and it's kind of tough because they're in so many close games. There aren't these situations, and it yeah. turns into you know we'll get them next time, or or there'll be a chance to get them, but. For me, I, I feel like they got to start protecting him a little bit. Um, yeah, especially if you don't play a lot. You know, maybe if he if he dicks up and you feel like he had it coming, or he does something in the game that you feel like, you know, that's just baseball running its course. Maybe that's not the one, but the ones where they're just trying to pitch him inside and don't have the control and smoke him in the elbow. Right. I'd, I'd want to see somebody get hit right back just to send a message of. We don't care if you're doing it on purpose. If you're pitching our guy right there, yeah. your pitcher better have control not to hurt our best player. Yeah, they got to know where to hit it too. They're getting when they get up and in that high, when they get exactly. above, like above the elbow, and they're up near his head. You cannot do that, and they have to let the team know you can't do that. Yeah, yeah, they're not putting it. You know, if they put it in his glute or, or mid thigh, yeah. then it's kind of like, all right, message sent. You know what? Right. Maybe our guy was a little out of line, and we're not right. going to back that one up. But even and that's the problem is his hole is up and in. It's it's not yeah. it's not down and in or belting in he covers. But if unless he's looking up and in, that's a place you can actually get him out. So teams are trying to execute, but yeah. they don't have the control. And when you're living there, that's you dangerous. know it's easy for one to slip and hit him somewhere that hurts him. I mean, even I saw Kyle Lewis take a breaking ball and his helmet kind of slid up and it hit him in the neck and he had to yeah. go on the DL for concussion protocol. Yeah. I mean that's and it was seventy four miles an hour. If you got a pitcher throwing ninety six up and in against him with no control, like yeah. you got to nip that in the bud. Yeah, and he got hit the other day, Miami. That was ninety eight, but it wasn't yeah. that, it wasn't that high, you know. I mean, when they get up here, man, if he can't get in his shoulder, that's so close to the head, you can't do that. I mean, you just got to hit him in the ass, low back, whatever. But you got to keep it down there. If you're going to send a message, you got to do it that way. And yeah. then, and then it's up to the Braves to decide do we return a message, you know, because they haven't given out warnings yet. You obviously don't want to get a pitcher thrown out of game, but if they haven't given out the warnings yet, you know, you tell your you tell your guy do it in a way that they can't make it, 
You know, don't yeah. throw the guy's head and get thrown out anyway because they can throw you out even without warning sometimes. So you got to do it. You hit him in the ass or whatever. But it's just I, I hate that we're still talking about this. It's always with Acuna, you know, because <laughs> it's going to stay that way because he's yeah. that player. He's that good, um, he's, and he plays with that much swagger. But I, I just think that that one could have been alleviated without the bat flip on a double, you know, I, I, and then get thrown out of third. And if you want to do the bat flip on a double, okay, just stop at second base. <laughs> and then the pitcher throws at you, then, then the Braves got shots in the signal. I, I don't know. The Braves probably have a lot to think about some of these times too, you know. You know, it's like, oh, man. Anyway. He's never boring. I'll tell you that. Yeah, I mean, I'm a, I, I'm still, you know, I'm kind of old school in that sense of if if you feel like the the other players kind of disrespecting you or taking it too far, you can you can send a message. But at the same time, if they send that message up above the belt, yeah, it's like no, we we know our guy did something a little too much, but you're not throwing at him there. Yeah, and that's why he wears all this armor now. Think <laughs> you know, it's good that he's smart enough to do that and not worry about you know. People thinking he's soft or something for wearing all his armor. Barry Bonds played the whole second half of his career with all that armor on after the triceps injury, you know, because like it's not worth it. If they're going to throw into you, try to, because that's no, because he knows that's the only place that they can try to get him out, uh, you yeah. know, and get him off the plate. They're going to do it. Yeah. So it's really smart to wear all this stuff. That's where he got hit again. So he's not going to get hurt if that ball hits him on that huge pad that he has. It's just yeah. going to be scary, you know, because it's coming out your head. Yeah. So a lot of times when he starts walking to the plate to, towards the towards the pitcher's mound or whatever and looks angry and all that, it's probably because you know pisses him off because it looks it feels scary balls coming at your head, but it ain't gonna hurt him if it hits all that. Yeah, Eric, let's hear from today's sponsors. Yeah, that was a, a really eventful game, a eventful series out in Arizona. There was so much going on, and like you said, it could have won all three games, but I the last game out there was a really good bounce back on the and, – and, you know, it's one of those where you're glad you're playing. They played yeah, at 12, right away. 1240 after that epic 10-inning collapse the night before. And I we've talked about this, too. The Braves are still winless this year, four extra inning games after being, you know, horseshit last year in extra inning games. They got to figure out exactly how they're going to go about these extra inning games with the Ghost Runner because they are not doing it right, you know. And this was one of those where, as the visiting team, you've got to score multiple runs pretty much. If you just score one, it's so easy for the home team to get one to tie, you know? And if you score none, then you might as well just gut leave because you're going to lose. <laughs> yeah. It's – I was I, I was curious. Do, does, a, does a closer get a blown save in that situation? Yes. I've never checked, but I think that's ridiculous because – Yes, he does. And a t- pitcher gets a loss too, just doesn't get an earned run. Should be a team loss. There, there's no way out of that. Like if you yeah. – Team blown <laughs> save or a team loss. There's a way out, but you have to. There's got to be some luck involved to get out of those yeah. situations. I mean, anytime I got out of those situations, leadoff double or something as a pitcher, it, it was because in my mind I was conceding that run and continuing to make pitches. But you can't do that in a tie game on the road and they get a runner on second right away. And if the other team's willing to hit situationally, exactly, it's so easy to manufacture a run. If they're a good situational hitting team, man, so, if, this were, if they'd had these rules back in you know, 15 years ago, it would have been 10 innings every time. Because every team could do, would do that, would move the runner over, get him in. Yep. Now very few teams do that on a regular basis and do it well. The fundamentals. I saw a special on uh, – or you, you know Mark DeRosa. He was doing something on uh, MLB Network, and he was comparing two at-bats between 
Rizzo and Gallo and their O2 swings. I saw swings. that. I you saw see that? that? Yeah, Rizzo just that. chokes up and plays yep. Pepper, and, and Gallo's still taking these donkey swings and punching out. Gallo's um, been a disaster in New York, man. That is not a good place to struggle. No. no. No, he's, he's fortunately for them. They have so many superstars and so many sluggers that he's overshadowed because if he did yeah. that with that contract and gone to another team and been the guy that they were building around. Ooh, ooh, yeah. but he's, he's an afterthought there, but man, he's been bad. Um, the uh, Darno last night in Colorado, 13 to six win, man, it was such a Coors field game. It's like Coors back in the day is playing like that again. Never mind the ball dying the first few weeks of the season at Coors Field the last couple of nights before the Braves got there and then when the Braves got there, there's been like 50-some runs scored in two games. Everybody except the Rockies last night scored in double figures, three out of the four teams in those two <laughs> games. The Braves last night, Darno has one of the best games of his career. Two homers, six RBIs, including a grand slam. Kind of a reminder that to those that are jumping yeah. the gun on – why doesn't why don't they trade him and start Contreras? It was a reminder last night that Darno is one of the best catchers in baseball, one yeah. of the best hitting catchers, and one of the best defensive catchers in baseball. Yeah, and you wrote him to a World Series last year. I mean, you, after you can't lose your, three months. Yeah, yeah, you can't lose your job after a run like that. You know, getting some big hits in the postseason um, after you know a couple slow months, and it's not like he's even been bad. I mean, for no. it's he just hasn't been hitting quite like Contreras, who's out of this world sometimes, but right. Um, and I don't he think was, expect Contreras to keep hitting like that, do we? <laughs> no, I mean you find somewhere in the middle. But right. Darno, I mean, I've been kind of waiting for him to have a big game like this. And it seems like anytime something starts popping up where there's somebody trying to or, or just getting mentioned to take a guy's job, I yeah. kind of start paying attention to see how they do. And I figured he was due for a game like this. Fortunately, uh he has, has had great relationships with all his backup catchers, and he loves he loves William Contreras or Willie, yeah. as he calls him. And they and Contreras really is learning a lot from him. They like they're, they're a great tandem. This is yeah, they had a good tandem with the year Flowers was really hitting, but this is the best tandem that the Braves have had since uh, that year, where both Flowers and uh, and uh, Suzuki were both hitting. This is a this is a really good tandem uh, overall. Because Willie has gotten so much better because he was really deficient in call, game calling just because he was young. Yeah, you just have to learn it. Language difference be and being young, you know, is not a good combination when you're trying to take control of a veteran pitching staff or a pitching staff with some veterans and trying to lead some young guys. And you're young yourself. So that's that was that wasn't fair for him to be thrust into that situation last year when the two catchers got hurt. This year, he's come worlds. He's, he's worlds away from where he was last year as far as game calling, taking charge. Calling timeout, going out, talk to a pitcher. Yeah. He does that now, and the pitchers all notice it and really like throwing to him now too, as well as as well as they do Duvall uh, or Darno. They love throwing to Darno. Uh, yeah, Darno, man. By the way, for people don't don't understand how good I, it's easy just to look. It, it seems like if you're just a casual fan, or even if you're not, if you're if you're a serious fan, it's easy to get. Um, uh, really focus on the catcher's forward bats and, and that's it for what he does in a game and not yeah. even see all the intricacies, but you know how much of a of, of, uh, relatively small percentage of what a catcher does is his forward bats in a game. A good catcher. That's like the the thing they care about least, you know, yeah. I mean, I've, I've seen guys go four for four and they're beating themselves up over the game. Yeah. Over one pitch they called that they knew, you know, they shouldn't have called or, or should have, 
you, you know, gone out and seen the pitcher or done something different or pitched around the guy. Like these little decisions for, for catchers are what eat them up. And I think Darno is one of those guys too. Yeah. Like if you look at the career numbers for a guy like uh, David Ross, for instance, you know, he had a couple of good years in Cincy. Yeah. A couple of, you know, but overall his numbers weren't great, but he was a really good catcher because, he, yeah. and that's why he's managing, you know, he was a take charge guy. And when you can make a pitch staff comfortable out there and they can trust you with your signals and you're not shaking them off and all that, you don't see many guys shaking off Darno at all, even before pitch com. Oh, I had five years where I didn't have to shake once to Mac or Rossi. I, mean, I was just on cruise control. And then I remember one time they called up uh, JC Boscan and I could yeah. see him. I could see him guessing behind the plate because he was trying to call what I wanted to throw. And I was like, dude, I don't even know what I want to throw. I just throw what these guys <laughs> call because they're so good. Yeah. You know, and it was it was almost a lost feeling for me. And I had really had to battle to get through that inning. It was kind of a wake up call of, you know, you're not going to have these guys forever. You need to start learning what they're seeing and what they're looking at. Because I never even had to think with those guys. So last year, when when uh, when when Alex Jackson was the backup, but when Darno and Jackson get hurt in the same game in the early in the first beginning of May for May first or May second in uh, Dunedin against the Jays, you bring uh, you bring up Contreras from Double A, you know, and he is not at all ready to take charge. It's just not part of his game is deficient at that point. And he got some young. You got some young pitchers. You got Charlie mm-hmm. in his first year with the Braves, and you got you got Charlie pitching to this guy who's trying to call a game. And you got guys you're bringing up from the minors, and you're and they're looking at this guy going, "Oh, he's less comfortable here than I am," you know. Yeah. And you're yeah. trying to get by with that. That's rough, man. And they won a World Series. <laughs> yeah, and, and for for Contreras too, you know, you don't have. There might be two guys in AAA in a lineup that can have a plan and execute it the way major league hitters can. You know, you don't yeah. you don't face somebody like Miguel Cabrera that can go up and sit slider yeah. and get one slider to hit and then at yeah. bat and crush it. So you don't have to necessarily recognize what the hitter's trying to execute and what the hitter's trying yeah. to do because guys on there they're, they're learning that too. So you just call good pitches. But guys in the big leagues are used to trying to hit good pitches, the yes. best pitches, and and they're making those decisions where they're looking for a specific pitch or trying to hit a certain way. And so I, I think it's it's just kind of a learning curve for a catcher when they get called up to start reading hitters, not just like the scouting report and what pitches they hit, but actually read them during it at bat and read their body language, where their foot's landing, if they're stepping across or opening up. Um you don't have to do that quite as much in the minor league because even if guys have those plans, they might sit slider for a hole at bat and pop it up. So you call the wrong pitch. You didn't recognize who was sitting on it, but they're not good enough to make you pay for calling the wrong pitch. Mm-hmm. So you just call good pitches. You know, we went fastball in, we went fastball in. All right, he's sped up. Let's throw a slider. You know, and it's 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 just calling smart pitches. But once you get up to the big leagues, you have to actually recognize the hitter's plans and adjust to the hitter in a live at bat in a way that I just, yeah, just don't you practice in the minor leagues? Yeah, but he'll learn. I mean, I think he's getting way better. I mean, it's, oh, yeah. it's a lot different watching him this year day. call games. Night and day from last year, but it, it kind of underscores how big when Darno came back last year. He'd missed three months, so he wasn't the hitter that he because he was raking for the yeah. year before that, and then the the month before you know just as he before he got hurt, he was hitting again. But when he came back, he'd missed three months, so he wasn't hitting like he did previously. Yeah. But just the stabilizing force that he was 
Uh, plus, they added, you know, they went through that slew of veteran catchers, none of whom hit, but they were all good behind the plate. So they yeah. were all important, even though fans saw them and thought they really sucked because they could not hit. But they were all big behind the plate, like Vote, you know, yep. Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith, I pitchers remember him complimented getting a lot those, of heat. <laughs> yeah, pitchers complimented those guys for how good they were calling the games. Yeah. And that meant a lot down the stretch when the Braves got caught fire. And it was almost like, okay, now we get Darno back. And it it, it worked. It worked, and, and 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 but he was huge in the postseason for them when he was able to play every day because they had rest time, rest this time. So it wasn't like the year before and played every day without rest in the postseason in the pandemic yeah. postseason, which was amazing and yeah. was great at yeah. the plate and behind it. So yeah, um, so yeah, last night he was his first Braves catcher since Javi Lopez in two thousand three to get six RBIs, six or more RBIs in a game. Damn, Bmac right. never did that. Nope, not six. I know it's kind of surprising. He had some uh, games because he had some grand slams too. BMAC. I remember a game he hit a grand slam to tie it, and then a go-ahead homer in the twelfth or something. But that would only been five, and that was off the bench. Yeah, yeah, six is a lot. <laughs> That's a nice day. That's a nice day, and he had them early too. He had them, he had them all by the fifth inning. He had two homers and five and six RBIs by the fifth inning last night. So Darno's hitting 262, six homers, 747 OPS. But the big one for him, 6.1 def, which is that fan graphs rate, defensive runs above average. He is second in the majors to Oakland's Sean Murphy in def. Yes, he's ahead of Riamuto. So and, and that's How's a really that? that's What's a really <laughs> that's a really intricate stat that I, I would not understand, but a lot goes into it, you know? So yeah. Yeah, you can't fake it with that. You look at the guys that are at the top of that, you go, yeah. And they're known. Those are the good defensive guys. Yeah. But um, Contreras, of course, hitting 302 with 1,094 OPS. He's been phenomenal. I mean, he's Torching been phenomenal. Balls. Yeah. I mean, when you're when you're making the manager spend a lot of time trying to figure out the best way to get your bat in the lineup, yeah. he's pretty good for a young guy. He's not a rookie anymore, but uh, he's barely, barely above the rookie uh, threshold. You know, he's uh, by all intents and purposes, he's a rookie, but uh, he's come a long, long way. Contreras has, so they got a good tandem, real good tandem. And and if they and if there were an injury, they would be a hell of a lot more comfortable than they were before. Yeah. So and they wouldn't have to go out and make trades and all that too. Um. So, uh. Oh, it's Snit said about he said I think Darno is a really good guy. He's really willing to learn under and be partnered up with. I, he just brings a calming influence to everybody. My money, Mike Michael Harris the second. Um, I could not have been much more impressed than I've been with this kid in his first week in the major yeah. leagues. In every aspect, and I get to see him in the clubhouse every day. The way he handles himself, comports himself. This kid, he is what you hope for when you bring a young guy up. You know, well, what you hope for is Ronald Cunha. Obviously, can dominate from day one. But this kid, but this yeah. kid, the overall presence, the maturity, humble kid with huge talent, and the defense is already Gold Glove caliber. Oh, his defense! <laughs> He's getting the balls that. Yeah. The, the, it, it's not even necessarily like the ball in the gap, right? like the way he comes in on balls. Mm-hmm. Those low line drives remind you of somebody. Yeah. <laughs> I hate to compare him to the greatest center fielder I've ever seen, but that particular aspect of his game, those running 
diving in catches, which are so hard, and they make a lot of people look foolish when they try them. He but you can let him bounce, and you're off the hook. Yeah. I mean, you see so many outfielders pull up, and the ball lands. It looks so catchable, but that angle is so tough, and the risk is so high. Yep. But he, yeah. I mean, the way he's so comfortable coming in and, and laying out moving forward, that's probably the hardest play to make. Yeah, and Andrew made it look easy. And people got yeah. spoiled watching Andrew because nobody else makes it look easy like that. But this kid. He's making it look possible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, you know? he he had one the other day that went in and out of his glove, and that's it. I mean, it was a really mm-hmm. would have been a great catch. But he's already made like three terrific catches. I'm not even counting the ones in a gap that he just gets to with his speed and makes it yeah. look easy. Yeah. He's 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 outstanding, man. We haven't seen him really unleash a throw yet. He hadn't had to. He hasn't had to, but uh, he's got a plus arm. What's his speed? Is he is he plus plus speed or is he kind of fast? Because I know plus, you know plus. it seems like he gets great jumps, but is so he far, also fast? What stat cast? You know he hadn't had a whole lot of measurable runs yet, but he's yeah. number one on the team on the ones he's had. He's the fastest. Fast. He's 20, hitting peak speed. Yeah, he said yeah. Oh yeah, plus plus. But that that ball he hit up the middle, or two days ago, that ball he hit up the middle, and they they called it an error, RBI yeah. error. It's yeah. like, he, oh, that was that, brutal. That's stupid. Yeah, I didn't understand that one. Um, but yeah, so this kid is uh, it's, and you know, so so the offense is a plus, but as long as he's not just underwater, you're okay. But he's doing a lot more than that's that, it. and. Yeah. And he made he worked when he got to Arizona. He worked with the hitting coaches on a you you noticed something that you were worried about him not getting the balls high. And I, they made an adjustment, and I think that was it. And he okay. really is looked good the last few games, so much better. Um, he had his first RBI Tuesday at Arizona, first extra base hit Wednesday, and another RBI. And then he has his first multi-hit game Thursday in that last night in that uh, blowout at Colorado. Goes three for five with a double and two singles. So he's hitting 286 now, six for 21. And that's on top of playing off the charts defense. Yeah. If he hits 270, he has a, so much value. And yeah. I think he'll hit better, especially with his speed. And this is a kid that, again, right now, he's played 49 games above a ball, including his six in the big leagues. Yeah, that's so important to remember, too. Mm-hmm. Because we were just talking about there's adjustments you can't make. Until you get to the majors yeah. and, and places you get exposed that you can't. That the fact that they had the confidence in him, you know, tells me that they believe he could handle that adjustment at the major league level mentally. You know, that there's going to be some failure. There's going to be some when the league adjusts to a swing and knows kind of what and they can execute it. You know, he's going to have to adjust. But they called him up with confidence that. No, you know, the, the fallback is, you know, he has his defense. Yeah. So even if he hits 210 his first year, you feel good about it. I mean, he, I'm not saying he's going to do that. He's he's playing fine now, but they definitely, you know, they they ask around before they call you up. You know, where's he at mentally? And for them to call him straight up from Double A this early in the season, because we thought maybe late in the year. Yeah. It says that they their their reviews on his character are extremely high. Yeah, there's no doubt about that part. Yeah. It's just yeah, he's uh. He is uh, every player you ask about him. Same thing too. To, they love how he carries himself and everything yeah. he's and 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 Olson talked to Matt Olson about him. Strong desire to learn and get better too, and he just sits there and listens. Really humble, asks questions, and then just listens, takes it all in. Guys, let's take a quick break, and then we'll finish up the show. Looking back on it now, uh, 
Alex, this was like a stroke of – it was very smart, the, the time that they did this, if you think about it. And I wasn't looking at it from this perspective. And Alex didn't mention this, but I know this is why they did it now. They gave him two games at home before they're going on the road against some pitchers that are hittable, but most, but more importantly, two of the hardest outfields to play in center field. Big hitters parks, Arizona, yeah. Yeah. and the vastness of Coors Field. And that's where Duvall or anybody else is going to get exposed playing center field at Coors Field and at Arizona. I mean, they balls just fly in those two places. And instead, you got a guy tracking them down tirelessly from gap to gap and hitters that, that he can do something against. Unlike, you know, say the starters with Miami or, you know, so it was a really good time to, uh, I, this is a good trip for him to be on Manning center field and then not have to worry about that. Can he handle center field tonight? Are we going to have to play somebody else there tomorrow after he plays there all night? You know, Duvall, you know, he's getting a little older. He's a bigger dude. Is he going to be able to play four games in center? You don't have to worry about that with Harris. Just put him out there. Oh yeah. Yeah, Coors is like that is the worst place as you know as a relief pitcher. You always get your running from the pitching coach, and you try to run a pole there with the thin air. Yeah, it feels like you just ran a power mile. Yeah, I mean it's it's such a massive outfield. And they have to have it that way because the ball flies. But I didn't think of that either. But you know, probably give him his debut at home. Um, yeah, let his family see it. You know, let his family see his first hit and get to support him, and then send him on the road and have him you know, back in your pitchers in those huge parks is it's a pretty solid plan. Yeah. And at Denver, you know, they have to play pretty deep. Everybody, all the outfielders do. Yeah. And then it's so easy for guys to, to put those little bloops, drop singles. those singles and doubles in front of you or in the gaps, you know, it, everything turns into a triple. It gets into the gap. It's a triple. So having a speed guy there, BJ was talking, Brian Shore was talking about that last night on the game, how he and Andrew, everybody has to play so deep there. He and Andrew were able to play a little more shallow, because they have yep. the speed to get the stuff over their heads and in the gaps. So having speed there is huge, man. I mean, that's for outfielders and not just being a crafty guy that knows all the angles as much as you can have both, you know, and Andrew Jones obviously is ideal at a place like that, but yeah, this, this is a good place for Michael Harris to be patrolling. Well, that's what I was wondering. Cause you know, I know he's, I know he's fast, but I wanted to know if he was fast, fast because he, is. he, he seems to be, I mean, he just closes ground and, you see how far he goes to balls, but the camera always changes yeah. to him. He's already at full speed. Yeah. So, you know, I wanted to see, is he just getting these great, amazing jumps or is he also fast on top of it? Which is, yeah. you know, that's what makes you, that's what made Andrew so special is he got incredible jumps and he could go get it. Right. Right. Yeah. I wouldn't say he's got Andrew's instincts because I don't think anybody does no, anybody, but, but, it, but the speed is there. He's got Andrew's speed, you know? Um, I don't know who's faster, him or Acuna. So far, the measurables, I think he is slightly, but that's, you know, that, that can be because of what the measurables were. But uh, um, in him, in those two and Dansby, they got three burners, man. Yeah. Three guys that when they get on the bases can do some damage. Uh, Dansby and Acuna have not, neither have gotten caught yet, and they've stolen like nine, eight bases. So could be a component for them that's uh, not not stressed by anybody anymore. That's for sure. Once the offense gets clicking, we've seen Dansby do it. He created a run the other day by himself, stole second, stole third, and scored on a single or a ground ball. I forgot which. I, I love how Dansby runs the bases. Yeah. I, I just, you know, if it, he seems to just have such a good feel for if a bloop's fallen in or not. Yeah. 
and he's rounding third and the ball just drops right in front of the center fielder or whatever. And he winds up scoring. He's a, you know, he, one thing I know he, he's a little streaky at the plate sometimes, but his instincts and his defense yep. never slump. He's no, no doubt. He's a freaking gamer. No doubt. Nobody on the team's got better instincts than him. Yeah. Yeah. And he makes some of those plays at short, like on a guy tries to make the stupid run, the stupid dash to third, you know, in front guys do that. Now they didn't used to do that, but Dansby always catches it. Boom. Calls the third and nails yep. the guy. Nope. Can't do that. So he never seems to have to think, you know, it's, it's yeah, all instinct. Right. He just yeah. knows what to do. Yeah. And he made an instinctive play on the bases scoring the other night when Solaire briefly just, he saw Solaire was going to cash. Yeah. That's what in. I was talking about. And Acuna did that in Colorado. He did that last night in Colorado. Uh, Mm-hmm. Balls hit the center. Acuna around second. It was a, a ding, and Acuna dinked him instead of the outfielder dink. And Acuna kind of slowed down for a second. So the guy I kind of caught his breath, and I'm gonna lollipop it yeah. in. And Acuna took off, and it's too late by that point because Acuna's that fast, and he's got a rolling start. Yeah, that was pretty sweet, man. That was a nice. That was a nice little uh, extra base for Acuna there. So um, yeah, Dansby reminds me of Chipper running the bases when Chipper was young. Had good speed, but after the knee injury, maybe not plus speed, but it was still really good, but it was so smooth cutting the corners yeah. on the bases and knowing when to go and everything. Dansby's faster than Chipper was, I think, but uh, really as far as going, scoring from first, going first to third, those two remind me a little bit of each other. Yeah. He's a, he's a good, it's going to be interesting, you know, to see what happens with him in free agency, because I mean, if he stays on the tear, he's on. Yeah. He's, yeah. Paid, he's going to make some but- money. He, I think he's a guy that could be easy to undervalue when he's on your own team and goes yep. through his slumps. But yep. you watch the way he plays baseball, man. It's it's he's he's one of those guys I always want on my team when the game's on the line or, or a big decision needs to be made and instinctual, you know, reaction those type of things because he seems to always, you know, make the right play or take the base at the right time. And you know, it's it's only going to take one team to recognize to see it the way you're talking about and go. We can be, we can win a championship with that guy's our shortstop. The Braves did it. Yep. And and one team is going to take to blow everybody else out of the water and give him the deal that he's looking for. If it's not the Braves, and and I'm not giving up on the Braves. I think you know, again, I don't think they've handled it well. If they if they plan to give him an extension, but. Uh, we don't know. They might have talked to him. They, they, they might have been between the agent and Dansby, or between the uh, between uh, Alex and Dansby. Alex might have given him a, you know, don't worry about things. We uh, we're, you know, we just don't know. So, um, by by the way, on Harris, he had he would have his own, his uh, first home run if he'd have been almost anywhere except Arizona. That line drive, yeah. he hit off the center field wall there. That was crushed. Because that's a great place to hit, but it's also a hard place to get it out at that part of the park. You hit it that's right center, left yeah. at a five, but that that thing's towering. That that wall. thirty feet high, fourteen. Yeah, I don't know why they have the yellow line so high there. Because well, before I mean, before this year, you yeah. know, when the balls are flying a little less, but Arizona. I mean, you long toss in Arizona. You you can feel the, the same with Colorado, or you watch BP before they have the game balls in yeah. Colorado and. I think I, I think Arizona's. I mean, it's it's hitterish enough. They don't need to bring that line down. But he crushed that ball. He had uh, uh, it was it would have been out in eighteen of the thirty ballparks. So I don't understand these eighteen out of thirties, fifteen out of thirties. You see a guy hit a ball four hundred twenty feet. Like what are those? What parks are these? This ball not out in. Well, they do the overlay 
And you got to take into account there are quirks in some parks where it juts out. So maybe, you know, yeah. You know, yeah but I don't know. <laughs> what I don't think it takes into account uh, is the atmospheric conditions, obviously, <laughs> which are pretty big. You know, yeah. balls are going to fly differently in Arizona in that dry, dry, arid con- environment. And, it, and obviously, it cools with altitude and the uh, arid environment than it is in, you know, damp, moist place by the ocean, like San I've Francisco seen some by balls. the bay. Yeah, well, San Francisco goes nowhere. But I've seen some balls hit at Yankee Stadium that they say is out of, you know, the 18 out of 30 parks. I'm like, that is out of one. Every of Little League park. park? They're talking about every Little League park <laughs> yeah. in the four-state area. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the right field there is ridiculous, but that's another conversation. Um, Yeah, it was a 416-foot estimate drive, by the way. So that's one of those that, yeah, I don't know which parks Boston, it wouldn't have been out in. <laughs> maybe Boston. I don't know. <laughs> Um, yeah, so he's already had three diving catches. He had that circus catch where he caught it with his bare hands Sunday yep. where he slipped. That was amazing. Um, so yeah, I asked it about his defense and Snit said, it's elite. It's amazing yep. how natural he is and the jumps and the athleticism and the whole thing, his throws. He said, it's just a natural. I mean, he's not working hard to do that. And that wasn't an insult. He's saying he's, yeah. you know, he's, he's playing with athleticism that he's not having to, uh, you know, get to yeah. laying out for stuff. He's, he's just smooth. Said so he's got great instincts too. Um, and then he probably talked about him working with dating coaches on an adjustment. He said, they made some adjustments with Michael and it looks like that may be paying off. He's had some really good at bats right there off a lefty left-hander up in Arizona. They were talking about uh, Snoop's talking about, um, the uh what was the uh, the other thing that was oh riley so yep. austin riley you know he had that skid which was really his first extended slump since he took off last april you know yeah. and had a breakout season the mvp caliber season he had his first real real slump since then it was like two and a half weeks and it happened to coincide with the baby being born so we thought maybe that had something to do with it and it might have might, might have been part of what contributed to him getting out of uh out of whack at the plate, but he is during this current 11 game hitting streak, 19 for 46, hitting 413, four doubles, five home runs, 11 RBIs, 1264 OPS, and 11 game hitting streak. That's after hitting 139 with one homer in his previous 16 games. I'd say he's out of it. <laughs> yeah. I asked he's him, always working. I asked him about it in Arizona. And he said uh, it was a matter of fixing a flaw that cropped up in his swing. He noticed it after watching a lot of video. He says, just my posture, staying more square to the plate. He goes, when I was in Miami, he was talking about the May 20 and 22nd series in Miami. And prior to that, that was the whole slump. And he ended in the last game of Miami. When I was loading, I was turning, and my shoulders were more towards second base. So just getting back kind of square. We clean that up, and now I'm more square up to the plate, and I'm able to work through the middle of the field more. It's allowed me to stay on more balls. I'm able to see it longer, and whether I get fooled a little bit, I'm still able to put a decent swing on it, and it's so noticeable. He hit a ball low and away the other day and drove it to you know, yeah. left. That they would have been no way on the previous two and a half weeks. Yeah, that's one of those things that yeah, – we've talked about it plenty, but that people, I don't know if they can ever fully appreciate – how much this little tiny just adjustment yeah. can because it's like a centimeter, you know, in baseball. If you miss a ball by a centimeter, it's a fly out or a ground ball versus a line drive or a homer. 
And so if you have this little thing you're doing wrong, that's why it'd be so hard to be a, a, a major league level hitting coach or a coach of that level, because you have to identify this tiny, tiny little thing that's changed. Yeah. And sometimes they happen gradually over time. You know, all your timing and everything else is, is fine. And you're, you're just missing balls and still getting knocks and everything. And it slowly creeps and turns itself into a problem. And until it does, it's hard to really recognize. Mm -hmm. But some of the best coaches will come up to you after a good game and they'll even be able to say, Hey, I saw this today. You might want to fix that before it becomes a problem. But yeah, the, the guessing game, you know, you try to take as much guesswork as you can out of it. And I've seen how in depth Riley is um, with his swing to think that these guys can know their swings so freaking well and yeah. still fall into these patterns and slumps of not being able to hit the ball and do what they're supposed to be able to do and hit the pitches they get. Um, it's, it can be extremely frustrating. Um, the game in uh, Arizona, the meltdown game on Tuesday yeah. had a six, two lead after five and lost in 10. It was the fifth start the Braves have uh, fifth game the Braves have lost this year after taking after leading at the end of the sixth inning. No other team had three in the NL had three of those losses had three such the Braves had five. So after that game, asked Charlie if this was sim- felt similar to early last year when just things weren't clicking at the same time. Yeah. Like that night, you had the offense going early, build up get six two lead, then the bullpen collapses. Other nights you have great pitching, starting and relieving, and they can't score two runs. And Charlie said after that game, because Charlie started that game, and Charlie was pitching really well until the sixth inning. He had only given up uh, a couple of runs, gives up a walk and a double. Both those score went uh, against the bullpen. But uh, asked him about if it felt like last year, and he said very similar to this, very, very similar. And it made the season a real grind, talking about last year. He said, we're in a little bit of that right now. And But then he was like – he was speaking real quiet because it was somber in that clubhouse Tuesday night. He said – he said, but this is a really good, this is really a good clubhouse. So we just go on to June. Yeah. And asked him, is it easier? Not easy because it's never easy, but is it, can you get through times like this with a great clubhouse a lot better than you can with a oh. shitty clubhouse? And he said, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. So they got that going for him. And that's a huge, huge thing because if this was just an average clubhouse or a bad one, they might be done right now. You know, this far behind the Mets, they might just be saying, going after their own stuff now and backfighting, you know, infighting and backstabbing and that kind of thing. So, and you're not getting any of that yet at all. And I don't anticipate getting it either. No. Players they got on the team, coaching staff, the manager, that's just not the type of team that Alex has built where they have guys with whose shitty character is exposed at times like this. They got guys that have good character and it's showing yeah. up right now because you're still not seeing guys roll their eyes and talk to you off the record about what's going on with so-and-so they're still really good. And to me, that's a really, really good sign. You got a chance to get through something like this when you got a team like that. Yeah. And it seems like I don't ever see any kind of, you know, encrypted or like kind of hinting messages in the media where, where guys just kind of like throwing part of the team under the bus without, right. right. Without saying it, you know, like there's nothing more deflating than a bullpen loss. And you have to accept that as a reliever, but when your team battles and battles and battles and they're up three or four runs going into the seventh and you lose those games, mm-hmm. those crush teams. And I haven't seen anybody really say anything after losses like that or an error or anything that that kind of places the blame, even if it's not directly 
on a play a guy made or a reliever coming in or, you know, you guys aren't saying after the bullpen blows a game, like, yeah, it's really hurting not having Matzik here and, and blaming it on the guys that are here. You know, it's, it's like you lose as a team. Yeah. And, and it seems like they're, they're all able to do that and take that accountability on themselves. You know, the good team is when a bullpen blows a game, they say, well, we got to start scoring runs. You know, we can't keep expecting to win run one run ball games and kind of deflect that blame a little bit. And it seems like they're doing that. And remember last year when the bullpen went through a bad stretch, every player went out of his way to was asked about yeah. the bullpen. Is it deflating? Is it frustrating? Every player to a man said, hell no. Every, the bullpen has picked us up so many times. They're going to come around. Those guys are great. They're going to come around. And they did. And they were the yep. biggest strength on the team in the postseason. It only takes yeah. one guy saying something different too. Right. You know, one guy being like, yeah, you know, they've, they've been letting us down and we need them to pick it up. And right. then that's the one that's going to get printed. Right. And then that, that the next day in the clubhouse, the, the relievers feel like the whole team feels that way. And even if it was anonymous, even if it was a pit, even if somebody well, that's said, even worse. Yeah. Cause then they're all wondering who said it. <laughs> yeah. That's way worse. They're going, fuck you guys, man. One of yeah. you guys said it. So yeah, yeah, that can, that can split it. And we've seen that, you know, and not to pick on the Mets, but that's the kind of stuff you see with the Mets uh, in the yep. past all yep. the time, you know, and a lot of teams, a lot of teams, you see that. And you know, when they're splintered, they're not, there's not much chance they're going to make a great run, a historic well, type run. I could tell you Buck's not going to be saying anything off the record that hurts his team. Right. Right. You know, I mean, they, they, that's, that's the thing that, you know, like the spurt the Braves went through. In, in Arizona, those are the, the things that would derail a team like the Mets in the past, but they seem to have, they got a different vibe this year. And that, that's why I feel like the Braves just, they got to get rolling, rolling and, and start just chipping away. And that's why I think they had a team meeting because Snit is not big on those. Bobby wasn't big on those, but when you absolutely need to, they do it when they do it in the right way. They don't make a big order thing. They don't announce that they had it. You know, they don't uh, let stuff get out that what was said, but Snit that after that game, that was the, that was the most I've seen him, the most critical I've seen him yeah. of his team. The whole, they maybe played the whole shitty time. baseball. Cause it, right. And he yeah. said that he goes, we, we shot ourselves in the foot. We didn't deserve to win. We are making too many mistakes, giving away too many outs. He said it was an ugly game, a very ugly game. And that's for Snit to say we didn't deserve to win. We're not playing. For us to do what we want to do, we got to play better. That's as critical as he's going to be. And he does it without citing one guy. He goes through the litany of things they did wrong. So so he doesn't feel like one. nobody feels picked upon. Like, yeah, you called me out, but you didn't call out uh, hitters. You call us out, but you don't call out the bullpen. He made sure he, he went across the board with everything they're doing wrong. We're not executing pitches. We're not getting a big hit. We're being overly aggressive on the baseline. But there's a fine line, he said. You know, if, guy, if the guys don't make two great throws and he's out, then you say it's a great play. So there's yeah. a fine line. So he kind of leaves it. He, he makes sure he doesn't make somebody feel like shit, you know. Yeah. And then the next morning, he has, they, they meet, they talk about it, and then go out for a day game. So it was handled really well. And, and, you know, he left that even after that session, that three or four minutes where he talked about how bad they were at the end, he said, usually when you play, when you play such a bad game, we come out and you play one of your, one of your best games. And that's what we're going to do tomorrow. That's what he said. So that's, yeah. he kind of ended on a positive because that's Snit, you know, and Bobby was like, Bobby would never rip a team like that either individual guys and everything. He just never did it. And he had so many opportunities to, but he knew it's always thinking big picture. Can't lose these guys. Yeah. And, you know, with team meetings and stuff, you can only play that card so many times. Yeah. And yeah. then you kind of have to pick if, if your manager's calling a team meeting every two weeks. Right. Whatever, but, but especially if you have a manager like Snit, 
who's always calm, always level. And then he comes into the, into the clubhouse and he's had enough. Right. And he's pissed off and he's fired up and he's sick of this shit. Then that message just gets driven home. Like, all right, we got to wake up guys, right. you know, but when it's, I've played for managers that are doing it every, every 10 days or every yeah. three game losing streak. And you can look at the games. We're like, man, we played well today. We just got right. beat. Right. You know, it's, it's, it's a, you have to select the right time to have those. And honestly, that was probably the perfect time after two games, you should have won, just give yeah. them away to Arizona um, to, to do that. But, and another thing about that is when they go leak it to the media, you know, when they just go straight away and say, yep, we had team meeting. Right. You know, I'm holding a team meeting today. And it's yeah, like, they didn't do that. well, what's the point of this team meeting? Is it to right. make it look like you're trying to do your job right? Or are you trying here to with save us your trying? job, try to yeah. do whatever they can here. Yeah. And any manager that manages toward the media or is, you can tell they're, they're throwing things out there to protect themselves and make themselves look good. There's no faster way to lose your players respect. So then they go out and beat Bumgarner, who has dominated the Braves for a decade. They beat him yeah. for the first time since 2012. Remember, he threw a seven-inning no-hitter against him last year. So they go out and beat him. Got a great pitch game from Kyle Wright. Did walk five, but he only gave up three hits. Got out of jam after jam after jam. Doing the Kyle Wright thing, which is what he's done for two years now. is Except last year, when he did that early on, he kept getting in those jams. And then he went in and would blow up on him, and then he was yeah. done. But now he's not doing that. He's too confident. He's pitching with confidence now. He got out of three, two, two on with uh, less than two out situations early on in that game, and then cruised through six. And it's just night and day. This guy compared to what he was, it's, you know. Yeah. And he and he and acknowledges too. Yeah, five. That was ugly. He goes, our defense played great. To me, the only weakness defensively was my five walks. So I got to clean that up. <laughs> yeah. But he pitched great, other than the five walks, and he kept making big pitches after that. So, um. So they come out and uh, and uh, Contreras gets three hits in that game, a couple of doubles. Uh, Harris gets three hit, or Harris got the uh, got a got a big hit. Riley has the three run bomb. Yep, that was a monster shot. Ooh, he crushed that ball. So they got that that they, they were, that was kind of the slam the door on any hopes that uh, Arizona had of coming back in that last game. So really needed to salvage, a, a, avoid getting swept, swept and salvage a win on that series. Um, and then took that momentum to Colorado like you'd hoped to do in that situation. So compared to where they were three days ago, really, really yeah. uh, big for the Braves to, to have these two games. So we'll see what they do with tonight with it. And I'm really looking forward to seeing Spencer Strider's next start tomorrow and what he does at altitude. Yes. Because, you know, I heard Moilo talking about last night a Colorado slider. Which is a slider just doesn't do anything. Just a there. bullet. <laughs> which is where I think that changeup, having unleashed in that thing that last game out in Arizona, could really be huge for him because he threw more changeups than sliders there. Yeah. So if he can throw that fastball 100 miles an hour up in the zone like he does, and the changeup, changeup to work well at Colorado, right? That's one of the few pitches that actually will work there. Yeah. I mean, if you yeah, it's a. It's such a stupid place to pitch. I mean, your yeah. two-seamer sometimes cuts there because it just can't grip the air. It's, uh-huh. you know, for me, I learned with the slider that if I was perfect with it and I leveraged it right and I got it downhill and I got the right spin, it still did what it was supposed to. But if you're off by a hair, it just spins. Yeah. You have to get that trajectory and spin right and finish the pitch. It's there's just when you mess up in Colorado, the ball does nothing instead of right. like, you know, it's, oh, it's a little lazy, but it's still got to the low and away corner. It's like, no, it just spins 
right down the middle. The thing for Strider that'll be good is his best pitch is his fastball. Yeah. And it's still going to be 100 in Colorado, and it's still going to have that that uphill ride to it that he's got. So I'd feel good about his start. And then the reason the changeup's good there is because changeup is mainly about that back and forth, getting guys off balance, yeah. getting them out front. He could have a harder time controlling it, especially not having thrown a ton this year and then trying mm-hmm. to throw it in Colorado. But I'd feel good about him having a good start just because of his his go-to pitch is 100 miles an hour. Yeah, and, and when Moilo was talking about that last night and Paul Bird was talking about the changeup and how that that can work in Colorado, it made me think that two of the best games that uh, that I know of that have been pitched there, I saw Pat Rapp throw a one-hit. Pat Rapp throw a one-hitter in Colorado, and the only hit was a bloop over Kurt Abbott's head at shortstop. And afterwards, Rapp said the the, the great line to Abby, way to go, Abby, you fucked up my, cha- my no-no. that rat was as country as a gift and then uh and then tom glavin tom glavin had a great game there nearly threw a no hitter there if i'm not mistaken with a change up yeah so the guy that pitches the best there i guess you know according to people around the league is lance lynn yeah he just he just throws one seamers and you know how saying a two seamer can cut there he Uh takes another seam off he throws one seamers (laughs) right down the middle and just lets them go wherever they go (laughs) <laughs> He's like, I don't know where it's going, and neither do you. And <laughs> just, you know, one cuts, one sinks, one stays straight. So, all right. Well, they got three more games in Colorado, and uh, these are big ones for the Braves. They're all big right now. They need to get some momentum going. And because you come into June, you open June 10 and a half games behind. And that's one of the biggest leads that any team's had in a division since the division started. So, uh, but at the same time, it's an expanded postseason field. And the Braves came back last year from eight down in middle of June. So, what did you go in 2011? A 10-piece? Huh? We had, what, a 10-game lead in 2011 going into September? September, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And and the the Red Sox melted down that same year. Yeah. I mean, it can happen. But, yeah, you don't want to. You got to start chipping away, you know, get it it to five by the break would be pretty nice. Get it to three by the break and just – that's going to be hard to do because the Mets kind of have to fall off, but the only thing the Braves can control is how they play. Yeah. And if they play well, then they can put themselves right there in the wildcard race at worst, you know, because yeah. there's extra, there's three wildcard teams. So they can yeah. be one of those teams that they play well. Yeah. Not the way they plan. They've played up to this point, but all right, that's it. We'll do this again. We'll do one of the uh, rooms next week. And we'll take questions from you guys. Cool. Oh, hopefully the Braves will win a few and you guys will we'll have some, some, uh, <laughs> They won't all be dispiriting. (laughs) All right, that's it. 755 is real. We are out. Thanks, everybody. Mm